Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I am Josh. I'm Jimmy. And we are excited to have Haley Morgan on the show. Haley, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Haley is a writer, speaker. She's a social entrepreneur. And she also wrote the bestseller Wild at Free, along with our friend Jess Conley. And she also runs Nellie Taft, which is an online boutique featuring only clothes made in the U.S. And, and I just we... learned today that they do not have men's morbidly obese sizes. Is that another attempt at it's, body it's shaming? It's a little... Me? You don't answer that. Haley, back to Haley. Because she... I was just thinking, that, well, there's Christmas. <laughs> That was, my Christmas was taken care of. That's terrible. Haley is here to talk about her new book. It's entitled Preach to Yourself. Haley, kind of give us a 10,000 foot view. Uh, Tell us about the book. Yeah, after, so I wrote Wild and Free and it came out in 2016. And when I wrote that, I was really disappointed to find out after it came out that it wasn't magically solved for me. This idea of all the things that we tackled in Wild and Free, it wasn't like magically finished and done. And I also am always very disappointed that the Christian life just isn't like you reach unlock achievement level 10 and then you get to be perfect at it from then on. And so this was my um, attempt to unravel that gap between our head and our heart where we um, know what we believe, but we don't actually always obey or live out what we believe. And so this is my attempt just to figure out what in the world that is and how do we solve that problem. I love your, you know, your, your your subtitle talks about, you know, when your inner critic talks. And of course, if you just say a phrase like inner critic, you've got psychotherapists just following around after you because we talk to people about that sort of thing every day and the negative core beliefs that generate that negative self-talk. In the beginning of the book, you reference you doing a survey so so when you started to ad- address this issue of our inner critic and what do we do about it, what prompted you to to begin that with a survey and what did you find out? Yeah, I hesitate to ever write from only my perspective, even though it's what we always know and what we always know best is our own inner dialogue or our own whatever we hear on a daily basis. But I didn't want it to just be centered on the the false narratives that I tell myself, because that would um, be kind of a bummer of a book. And so I kind of went searching. I talked to 500 women, or I had, they answered these questions that I had, and I really wanted to know what is kind of the broken record in their head? What do they hear over and over and over? And so I asked them that, and I asked for the top three things. And so I got 1,500 responses back mm, with wow a really wide variation of kind of bad mantras or bad news loops, as I call them in the book. But I was actually really shocked to find that they they really did fall into a few main buckets. Once I kind of looked at all of the research, boiled it down to a few main points, took out the outliers, that sort of thing. And it 
helped me to believe that there was really something there with the book's message, that this maybe is a problem that we all deal with, that maybe it's not just me. And so that really kind of undergirded the idea of the book, that this is something that we all struggle with, and that maybe this is a core, if we could get this kind of ironed out, maybe this is a core mm-hmm. a core thing that we can learn in our Christian yeah. walk. Surely, like us Christians, we know the good news. We shouldn't struggle with this. And yet we do. Talk to us about that. Why do we struggle even if we have the good news? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Paul says in one of his letters, he says, you know, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. And that kind of is the age old struggle of the flesh versus the spirit. What what we're wanting to do in our spirit, what aligns with Christ does not naturally match up with our flesh and what we uh, are naturally inclined to do. And so even when we do know the Lord, when we do know the good news, we still have to walk out that battle between our flesh and our spirit. And so as I kind of unpacked this, I, I kept hitting into the phrases, taking thoughts captive and renewing your mind. And those are things that I had always heard a lot in Christian circles and obviously just in scripture reading, but nobody had really unpacked for me what that looks like, how to do it, and really how to do it in a way that's long lasting. And that's not, you're not kind of futilely doing the same thing over and over and reaping the results that are kind of lackluster. Well, when it comes to these negative loops or this negative self-talk, what are some of the negative loops that, that you struggle with? And what kind of when when you read back over your your survey results, which of those did you identify with? Yeah, as as I looked at the fifteen hundred survey results, they kind of fell into three main categories. And the three main categories that I kind of sussed out was I can't do this, I'm not enough, and nothing's ever gonna change. And I, you know, I was really trying, I have kind of a whole like process that people can go through as they're trying to uncover what their their bad news loops are. But as I was really listening to my own inner critic, and it's hard to know sometimes because this is the voice we've heard since we were children. This is, it just sounds like us. And so you really kind of have to dig and figure this out. But I really realized that from when I start my day, any little thing that goes wrong, I automatically tell myself, I can't do this. And it just over and over and over. I could hear, you know, when I had babies, it was like, I'd hear my baby cry and I'd be like, I can't do this. I can't do it another day. Um, you know, you, you spill coffee on yourself and it's the, I can't do this. And, you know, interestingly, I kind of found that if you don't nip the, I can't do this stuff in the bud, when you start hearing it, it kind of turns into, I'm not enough. And Mm -hmm. if you hear I'm not enough long enough, it kind of ends up in that nothing's ever going to change. Mm -hmm. And if nothing ever changes, that's hopelessness. And Mm -hmm. so I've really started to try to pull that thread. And now looking at my own children and kind of, I have preteens, that's my oldest is 12, all the way down to five years old. And when I kind of get an inside view of kind of their mental, their mental thought patterns. And as they kind of start to let me in on that, I really notice that they also have their own loops that they kind of go on. And it's been fascinating to me to try to help them stop those before maybe they get ingrained quite as far as they would when you're 
you know, 33 like me. When you talk about, you know, you really kind of, you know, an individual person has to really kind of work through understanding these negative loops. Well, do we stop there or how important do you believe is it to find the origins of where these loops came from? Because again, just like in your case, here you are very cognitively aware of this, and yet your children probably have some negative loops going on themselves. So you can't look back and just go, oh, well, I had horrible parents, or I had great parents, and and yet I still have them. In, in your idea, in your working through this issue, how important do you think it is to try to determine these negative loops and their origins? Yeah, I think I struggle with that some, because a lot of the things that I've uncovered in my own life, like the wounds or that sort of thing in my own life, they don't necessarily match up exactly with the things that I tell myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think some of it is just the fact that we live in a broken world and somehow we learned how to cope with the world with these, with these things that we tell ourselves. And I'm not exactly sure how that all fleshes out with um, why certain messages were protective to us in certain times. But I do think it's important to kind of figure out where you're at now and work to shed those things. And I do talk some in the book about the wounds that we kind of receive as we're growing up and how they can be, they can be the source of surprising, um, surprising pain in when you're older that you don't necessarily tie to the thing that you're telling yourself today. But I do think it is important. I also think that there are, there are probably people who kind of tell themselves bad news that don't have large identifiable wounds, but that still just because of the nature of our fallen world and being with a bunch of other fallen people that it's kind of like the paper cuts and the sandpaper and that sort of thing where the world kind of just wears down. And I think that woundedness is also, um, I think it's applicable and I think it's, it's equally formative. It's just harder to uncover. So we talked about these negative loops. We've talked about the the lies we're telling to ourselves. Uh, we talked about wounds from old, but we really haven't even got to the point of your entire book, right? And it's like, how do we change this? You know, how do we begin preaching to ourselves? So kind of tell us about how we begin changing these negative loops. So for me, I have kind of this mental picture of uh, you are in on like an island or you're in your pioneer. And I have this crazy backyard that is super, I love it because it feels like you're in a park. But the problem with that is it takes an enormous amount of work to keep nature from <laughs> collapsing back in on us. Um, I, for a while I was like, babe, I love the organic feel of our backyard. It's so nature-like and wonderful. You take so good and, care of this. Yes. And I would not, I would not let him like prune things or cut things back because I was like, no, it will just look too manufactured and too perfect. And, but I learned very, very quickly that if you don't do that, nature really does have a way of kind of taking back over. And so kind of, I started to think of my mind kind of like my backyard because Mm. I'm a creative, I'm somebody who kind of bucks routine, and I don't love the idea of things having to be very disciplined. But the fact is that if we don't take care, if we don't kind of have mental hygiene, if we don't take care of the things that are going on in our mind, we kind of can be like my backyard where it was like really nice and kind of eccentric for a while. But that window is really narrow until it just becomes 
you know, unlivable and nothing is worse than feeling like your own mind is unlivable. So for me, I kind of, and, and I talk about this a lot more in the book, but this mental picture has been helpful for me in describing kind of the process to other people. But I think of it like you're a pioneer and you have this dense forest and the book talks some about brain um, chemistry and neuroscience and that sort of thing about how we make connections in our mind. But the idea is that our brains are efficient and they like to create patterns so that instead of having to think about things like how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it can think about more important things like breathing and keeping us alive and away from threats and things like that. And so our minds from the time when we're really tiny start making these connections and they serve us well in some sometimes of our life. But at some point, some of these connections that our mind makes, they get to the point where they're not serving us well. So things like, I can't do this, or I'm not enough, whatever that mm-hmm. bad news loop is that you tell yourself. And so that's kind of like the path of least resistance. That's the path that's just, it's there. It might've got in my pioneer analogy, it might've like just gone to the water or something very natural, but we have to be out there and we have to be like cutting a new trail, blazing a new trail. We have to go somewhere where people haven't gone before and we have to make it habitable for ourselves. And so the idea, this is where the taking yourself or taking your thoughts captive and renewing your mind, this is where that comes into play. But you have to identify the thing that you're you're telling yourself and then you have to call it by name and you have to take it, kind of pull it out of the air, pull it out of your mental ether. and then as you renew your mind, you're kind of laying, you're beating back nature and you're kind of laying down a new trail for your mind to go down. And the problem and the thing that, again, I'm probably, I'm just going to be annoyed about this until like my life is over, but I'm still very annoyed with the fact that this is never ending. This is just a lifelong discipline and a lifelong practice. Mm -hmm. Um, but you just, you, I think you get better at it. And I think that it maybe takes up less, less mental Mm -hmm. space to kind of Mm -hmm. do this discipline of taking your thoughts captive and kind of laying down a new trail that is, it's safer for your mind. And what I've really found is that once I'm not just dealing with so much mental energy, keeping up with this bad news in my mind, I have so much more mental space and freedom to kind of live out the good news. And that's been the biggest reward for me. So how does your backyard look today? Well, um, to be fair, I have four (laughs) children. (laughs) I have four children and definitely just had this book. The wilderness is starting to encroach. It's looking a little wild, but I do live in the Midwest. So we have very beautiful fall leaves right now. So that's what I'm kind of going with. I'm enjoying it. We dealt with our front yard this year. We're going to take time and deal with our backyard in the spring. So what you're saying is, is there, you could actually like Jurassic Park. There could be prehistoric animals coming into your backyard (laughs) because life will find a way. I would not be surprised. (laughs) My kids have probably been feeding them in the backyard. Exactly. So as a marriage and parenting show, how do spouses come along one another and help with this process? How do we help our children? Kind of ha- explain this this whole Romans 12 idea within the context of community. Well, my husband is always the one who hears like my junk 
the most. And he's the one who can really pick it out before I can a lot of times when I'm just stuck on something. And it all, again, I must get annoyed easily, but it annoys me when he points it out the first time. And then I'm like, oh, right, that is true. Like he can see kind of that mental loop going before I can a lot of times. I found that it's really helpful for him to kind of point it out really non-judgmentally and really not tied to a big emotional heaviness, but just like, hey, I hear you're kind of stuck on this one thing. Like, maybe what do you think that's about? Or have you prayed about that? Have you asked the Lord to kind of unpack that with you? And that has been a lot of help when I'm starting the process of trying to figure out what is what am I stuck on? And with my kids, I really can see it. I'm really starting mm-hmm. to see it with my oldest child because he's starting to get to the age where um, life isn't just, it's not, he's not just skating through life. Yep. And yep. he's kind of starting to come up to those first things where you realize there's an end to yourself and there's an end to your abilities. And he's kind of starting to realize the consequences of his own actions and things like that. And that's been fascinating as a parent, mm-hmm. also painful yeah. as a parent your child go through it. But I've really found as a parent, if he's seeming particularly bothered by something or particularly upset and not upset in like throwing a fit, but where I can just tell his mind is not at peace. I can Mm. kind of gently ask him to kind of explain to me what, what is going on in his head Mm -hmm. and what are his thought processes. And I don't know because again, I have only parented these four children. I don't know that it's universal, but he can give me a pretty good idea of the things that he's telling himself if I can stop and ask him. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of ask him, is this helping you? Is it serving you in this moment? You kind of going down this thought pattern, or is this actually taking energy away from what you could be right, focusing yeah, sure. on? Mm-hmm. And that has been very rewarding as a parent to be able to kind of help him walk through that because I grew up, I was just a high strung kid and I was the kid where I had to listen to talk music or talk radio when I went to sleep. It's probably like modern day podcasts or what podcast people sure. use podcasts for now, but I would just constantly listen to talk radio because my mind was so busy and I couldn't quiet it. Music did not offer enough of a distraction for me. And I wish that I had had somebody to say, like, hey, what is going on in there? What mm-hmm. what are you sure. thinking about? And could kind of help me lay some of those thoughts to rest because they're not the most productive thoughts and mm-hmm. they're not comforting. There's not much that's useful there, especially in times where you're kind of powerless to change it. So my in our family, we just have kind of a across the board family rule that we're not allowed to kind of spin in these worries late at night where there's just nothing that you can do about it. And yep. it's not that the worry isn't there, but I've found if you can interrupt it, then sometimes Absolutely. you can move forward yes. and help you I, I, too, wish I had a parent that would have helped me with this. What do you mean? I'm looking at you, Jimbo. Hey. Hey. I was going to say, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so real briefly, and, I, and we want to let you go. We thank you so much for your time. Yes. But you, you talk about recognize it, call it out, and then lay down a new trail. What's a verse or two that you use to preach to yourself? Yeah, I do the whole... 
everything is, I can't do this. So it seems very cliche and very Steph Curry of me, but, um, <laughs> I did not expect to drop Steph Curry this reference. Curry reference. Very nice. Um, but the, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And for the things where it's like, I can't do this, I'm not enough and nothing will ever change. A lot of times I just add at the end, like, I can't do this, but Jesus can, or I'm mm-hmm. not enough, but Jesus is, or I can't change this, but God can. And mm-hmm. so those are kind of ways that I just real quick, like make that into a loop of good news rather than bad news. Um, but yeah, I have four boys. So mm-hmm. Steph Curry is big in our house. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, right before, right before, you know, I can do anything in, you know, through Christ, you know, he's talking about contentment. You know, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, I have a lot or I don't have, you know, anything at all. I've learned the secret of being content. And when you, when you're being plagued with anxious thoughts, man, does the scripture just lay it out for us? Just acceptance of where we are and being content. Yeah. And like I said, like there's nothing less livable than a mind that's not that's not kind and that's not calm. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for me, it's whether it's, I don't think that it has to go to like a pathological level of anxiety or depression or things like that to, to have your mind just not be a, a nice place to be. And so I hope, I hope that this kind of helps that, that dissonance that we have between our head and our heart. I hope that this practice kind of helps people line that up a little bit more and kind of close that gap. Cause I think that's a lot of where our mental struggle lays when it's just run of the mill anxieties. If you want more information about Haley, go to HaleyMorgan.com. You can find information about her new book, Preach to Yourself, there as well, as well as her store and any other uh, of her other projects. If you want information, more information from a person who can not only have a book on women, but also drop Steph Curry references. Seriously, Haley is your girl. Get the book. And one real quick thing. If you lose electricity in your home, don't go out in your backyard. Because in Jurassic Park, that's when things went sideways is when the electricity went out. I will not do that. I will not do that. That's That's the the doctor. doctor. Haley, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bye. Lose your electricity? Jurassic Park reference. It's very weird. I didn't say hold on to your butts. That's what you should have dropped. Hold on to your butts. Yes, Samuel L. I know. She's great. Of course. This is right up our alley. I mean, this is Cognitive Therapy 101. Yeah, it is. You know, that idea of if we have a a behavior we don't like, well, they they stem from our feelings, and our feelings stem from our thoughts, and our thoughts stem from our beliefs. She just walks it back, and she puts it in a very, very understandable fashion instead of trying to get people to recognize their cognitive distortions. Because really, mine tend to be, I'll just over and over and over again, I'll just think of, and this is multiple times a day, oranges. And like apples. The 2,500 people listening to this have no clue what you're talking about. Fruit Loops. I'm talking about Fruit Loops. Still haven't found the connection. I I think about them all the time. It's so weird it's not even funny. (laughs) But because you did it live on air, then it's funny. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is some of my best stuff. Oh, Lord. We got to end this thing. Great book. And she really does hit at a very, very core issue that anybody listening can understand. And it takes effort. 
That's the thing. Mm-hmm. For me, and I know Jimmy spends a lot of time body shaming me, and I'll admit I have about four pounds, four D pounds to lose, <laughs> but it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Cat mo- burn in more calories than you take in, but it takes effort. And mm-hmm. the same same as through, through mm-hmm. this, I mean, Scripture's there for a reason for us to use it to preach to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It takes effort. And man, if there's ever a, an activity that's worth the effort... It's clearing out the cobwebs out of your mind. Great book. If you want more information about this book or this episode, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can also see us on our socials there and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We appreciate you guys listening. We would love it if you reviewed as well as shared. Take care. Follow your nose. It always knows the flavor of fruit. We're... We got to get out of here. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox Evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Part of the problem that we're talking about today is our lives don't seem to be a lot different. Yeah, and as Jimbo was a heathen and wasn't saved until 15, Mm -hmm. I have been walking with the Lord. Since birth. Since birth. In vitro. (laughs) But as someone who grew up in the church, Mm -hmm. Paul encourages us to always be ready to give an account for the hope that we have inside. And yet, in 30 years, I don't know if I've ever been asked about the hope I have inside, right?